Let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Now as we pause before you in the silence of hearts and the stillness of our minds, as we have our minds fixated on your word and what is going to be taught today, we pray that you may give us uh, utmost concentration and that we may be changed from the inside out. We may not leave this place the same, but oh God, those of us who are Christians may be sanctified and grow from glory to glory, as the Apostle Paul says. And oh God, we pray that if there are non-believers amongst us, or even non-believers who uh, may one day listen to this audio, that, oh God, they may be drawn to you by the power of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity who regenerates sinners and makes them alive in Christ. We now pray even as we look at the role of men in the church that you may give us insights, illuminate our hearts and minds. We pray that the scripture may stimulate our minds, propel us to think deeply about these things such that they may make sense for without your empowering, these things will not make sense. We need you, O oh God. And now be with us even as we look at these, this subject. Uh, I pray that uh, the hearers will be attentive and also that I may be clear as I am teaching. Uh, give me a sense of, of awe and reverence, for I am representing you, O oh God. And may I do this with fear and trembling. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, friends. So for those of you who have joined us today, we are... Uh, this is this Bible study that we have on Friday is called Issues Affecting the Church Today. And we aim to address issues really which affect the church uh, in a way that is confrontational, but also evangelistic. Uh, when you think of the apostles, uh, when they were evangelizing in Acts, they were confrontational, were they? weren't they? They went to synagogues. They confronted the, 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 the rulers of the age. They confronted the, the Pharisees. Uh, they confronted the religious leaders with the gospel. And so we believe that we are doing something which is biblical and pleases the Lord. So during uh, these past, uh, well, this part from last week, we started a series called uh, uh, Biblical uh, Roles of Men and Women. And Brother Tanaka gave us an overview uh, the last uh, week, which he, he, he did so brilliantly. And it is quite important to address these issues because we live in a world that is confused over the roles of men and women. And... You know, 
We live in a world where even the church itself is confused, let alone confused about what a man is and what a woman is. Even before we go to the roles of men and women, the church is, is, is confused as well. So today we want to look at, uh, so after uh, Tanaka gave us an overview of uh, general, uh, uh, general roles, of both men and women, today I want to specifically uh, address the role of men in the church. And this is what I have titled it, Men and the Church. And I'll start by saying God throughout history, in the Bible, times, has used men in leadership. Okay? What was Adam to do? He was to tend to the garden. He was the federal head. He was to cultivate the garden and to take care of it as God has commanded. Please note that God did not suggest to Adam. He did not even, uh, you know, say, well, you know, you have a choice. But it was a command. This is what you are to do, O man who is created of dust. So I want us to look at three points which uh, I'll touch on. The first thing is that we want to look at the historical context of what the Bible says about the roles of men in the church. Uh, but basically, I want us to look at how God has used men throughout history in the Old Testament. It's not necessarily the church. And then the second uh, point, uh, which I want us to touch on, is the, the 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 New Testament context? So there's the historical context, the New Testament context, which is the era which we're in, uh, and we have been for the past two thousand or so years. And then I want to apply this to our context, specifically this church, because we 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 sometimes miss it when we teach. Uh, we aim for other people instead of aiming for ourselves. What is the word of God saying to us today? Here and now. Okay. So historical context. Like I said earlier on, Adam in Genesis uh, 2 verse 15 was to till the land. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and keep it. So he was a man. Adam was a federal head of... Uh, uh, the the federal head of mankind and God gave him responsibility to lead his wife, to watch over his wife, to till the land, and he failed. He failed in that her disobedience fell onto his account because he was not watchful. But the Bible says actually when, when, when Eve fell, she ate the fruit and gave to her husband who was with her. So he was there in the vicinity. He was present whilst watching the woman disobeying and breaking God's law. As we move on, we see in, uh, that God used Noah in Genesis chapter 6, who was the leader of the people that God would save. 
for the earth had become so corrupt, so evil. Man was continually wicked from youth, says Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. In fact, the Bible says God, the, the ancient of days, almighty God regretted creating. Can you imagine? Have you ever thought about that? That our mighty God, the holy God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, and all that is within it, and the universe, and the galaxies, and the thousands and thousands of stars, millions, trillions, he regretted creating mankind. He used a man, Noah. God used Joseph as well. Go across the Old Testament for his purposes. Says that Joseph was sold as a slave was taken to the highest position in Egypt, only subject to Pharaoh. God used a man in leadership, Joseph. In the Old Testament, men went to war. Women didn't. And this is why it's so absurd that these days there are women who want to be soldiers, women who want to be police, security officers, what are you guarding? Huh? What are you guarding? We just have to be honest, friends. That's what the scriptures are saying. The scriptures are saying this. And it's not like, well, if God, uh, by his providence, calls soldiers who are women to themselves, to himself, we will sort of condemn them and say, well, you're not a Christian. But we're just presenting what is written in the scripture. To say the scripture is very clear. Men hunted. Men were shepherds. David was a shepherd boy when he slew Goliath, the Philistine. And the, and the work of, of shepherding was so dangerous that there were wolves, there were thugs, there were people who wanted to rob you. There was, you know, there was an erratic, uh, there were erratic weather patterns. But we see that men were meant to tend to these things. Men, God specifically made men that way so that men were to fill that role of leadership. We see that the Israelites... When God took them out of, out of Egypt to the promised land, who were their leaders in the desert? Moses and Aaron. You could even say Moses was the, was the, was the pastor. You could, even, you, could, you, you could say Aaron was maybe the co-pastor, if you had to use these terminologies of these days. And after Moses, who was there? Joshua. Who was told to be courageous and strong? Joshua. And all, all this, friends, is to show you that from a historical context, men were meant to lead God's people. From the Old Testament, all across to the New Testament, even up to now, nothing has changed. Nothing should change. And we see that in the book of Judges, 
all the judges were men except for Deborah. But even when Deborah was a judge, she was a judge and it was judgment upon Israel for their disobedience. You even see a place where Barak was scared to go to war and he wanted to sort of ask, he asked Deborah, if you don't go with me, I won't go. He solicited the opinion of a woman. He gave, he, he gave his, his strength <laughs> to a woman. What about Judges? Judges chapter 9, verse 53 to 55. This is a point just to emphasize how men were called to leadership. In the Old Testament, being killed by a woman was a disgrace for a man. So much so that Abimelech, listen to the narrative. It says, but a certain woman, uh, Judges chapter 9, verse 53 to 55, but a certain woman threw an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. A certain woman threw a, 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 an upper millstone on Abimelech's uh, head, crushing his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, Draw your sword. Kill me, so that it will not be said of me, A woman slew me. So the young man pierced him through, and he died. When the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, each departed to his home. The priests in the Old Testament were men. The prophets were men. The disciples, the twelve, were men. The apostles, the foundation of the church, were men. Just We're just doing a historical context. I'm, I'm sure if there were feminists here, they would say, ah, this one is misogynist. <laughs> eh? It's all about men, men, men. Eh? But I, I'm just trying to show you from a historical context that men were called to lead, even in biblical times. We won't even talk about the medieval times, extra-biblical stuff. We're just sticking to what the Bible was taught. And friends, Jesus is a man. Jesus is a man. And this is very offensive. So, of course, is the greatest example of what a man should be. He is the most perfect example in temperament, most consistent uh, man, never gave into temptation, never succumbed to the cultural pool or the ways of the world. He is the absolute perf personification of kindness, justice, righteousness, wrath. Our anger is tainted with sin. His is not. Not even when, even when you desire to be kind, friends, there's some sort of sin. Sin taints that kindness, but only Christ can be kind perfectly. Only Christ can be righteous perfectly because he is the God-man. He is the, 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 the very God of very God. God incarnate. The word became flesh. He is the word, the Logos, who became flesh and dwelt among us. Even our compassion has caveats. When we're compassionate, 
we don't, you know, sometimes we don't even understand what is happening in our hearts. Even in our compassion, there's a, there, there's a slight tainting of sin. Even those who are in Christ, especially. But Jesus was the one who was perfectly compassionate. And friends, I want to say this today that no one has ever been so burdened for lost souls like Christ. No one will ever be. Even those people who tell you, well, I'm an evangelist. You go on YouTube, you see all these evangelists, all these good men we love. There is not one human being on earth who is more burdened for, soul than, for souls than Christ. I'm just going to show you that this is the perfect model of a man that Christian men should emulate and follow after. He came and corrected where the first Adam fell. He did so with no blame games. He didn't say to the father, your, your people got me into this. Remember what Adam said in the garden? Oh, it was the woman you gave me? Blame games. Christ did not come and say, well, your people did this to me. Your people did this to me, but he said, your will be done. The first Adam was disobedient in the garden. The second Adam was obedient in the garden. That is why, dear men, when you fail, look to Christ. When you sin, look to Christ. When you're doing well, keep your eyes on Christ, the only one who can fully understand your woes and your struggles. The only one who can truly understand what you're going through, dear brother Anthony. When the world does not understand you, when your, when, your, when, your, when your friends do not understand you, when the church cannot fathom what you're going through, only Christ can. And that is the model. The point is, he is the model we are to emulate. What does the chorus of the song, there's not a friend like a Lord, like the lowly Jesus say, says, Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. And friends, looking to Jesus is not being sissy or unmanly. Looking to Jesus is the ultimate manliness. We have an advocate. And that is very comforting to me as a man. I don't have to look to someone else as the standard. I don't have to look at uh, maybe a brother or a pastor or someone I look up to as the standard of being a man. Of course, I can say, wow, praise the Lord. What a man. What an example of a man. But when it comes to being a man, 
a man whom God has called, a man who is, is after God's own heart, I look to Christ. I look to Christ. And friends, I am convinced that many men fail dismally in the church today because they look to themselves as the standard. They look to the media. They look to drugs. They look to pornography as an escape. They look to money, women, sports, anything to avoid going to the only man who can cleanse them from all unrighteousness. Jesus Christ, the God-man. Sometimes I feel like we find an escape in the things of the world. Not really, not to say that they are bad in themselves. We can have a jolly good time if we want, friends. Go and watch sports. Uh, if you want to watch a movie, you know. But sometimes I, 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 I think sometimes we try to find an escape, escaping reality by, by indulging in those things instead of focusing on the God man. Instead of focusing on his words, understanding God's words, letting the word of God mold you so that you are someone who, I'm talking to the men, someone who really, really is after God's own heart. A man who is sold out to the gospel. And friends, the fountain of, of the blood of Christ is ready. Come with yourself as, as filthy as you are. Plunged, plunge and be cleansed. Oh, plunge and be cleansed. That's what the word of God says. But secondly, I want us to look at the New Testament context. Having seen the historical context of men. And the church, we see that the apostles were men, elders were men, preachers were men. They led churches through the preaching of the gospel, exercising oversight. They were to lead the church, pray for, and guide in sound doctrine, discipline the irreverent and unrepentant people. They, they are to also watch over their own lives. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. But of course, not every man in the church was an elder. Not every man in the church will be an elder. We see that there were also men who were who assumed the, the office of deacon. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were, were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up the preaching of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, comma, full of the spirit and of wisdom, comma, 
whom we will appoint to this duty. So, pick men who are dignified, who are godly, men whom when we go out into the streets, into your workplaces, or even to your neighbors and ask her, so how is this man? What would you say about him? Of course, they may people may disagree with what you believe. So they may charge you on that one. But we're talking about uprightness. We're talking about someone who is righteous. Th th that's, what, that's what the Bible means when, when it talks about someone who is uh, you know, um, well regarded by outsiders. Does not mean that the outsiders should worship you or agree with you. But it means that when the outsiders, even though they disagree with you, when they see you, they say, well, that is a dignified man. Friends, it is from these two offices that leadership in various ministries and various places in the church is paramount. It is from these two offices, the offices of elder and the offices of deacon, which, by the way, I believe elders are men, should be men and also deacons. Of course, there are some churches that uh, put women in diaconate positions. I won't get into that today. But I do believe that the office of deacon is for men. The, the office of elder is for men from the scriptures. And one of the things that I've noticed is that so many men are unwilling to get their hands dirty. They are unwilling to serve. They sit in the pews for years and do not have ministries they are serving. They don't take initiative because half of the time they are asleep. They are allowed to, to sleep by the cares of the world. They are lousy, lazy, disorganized, uh, worldly. And some are actually unsaved, but are members of churches. But God calls us to a higher standard. God calls us to be leaders. God calls us to serve the church, to be servant leaders. I'll spend some time in the application because I think that it's very important for us uh, to, to actually apply this word to our very own lives and, and, and our church. And so part of the reason why the church is so weak today is that and seems so battered by the world is that we have neglected our duty as men and given it to women. We have stopped doing what God has called us to do. And actually, when women pastors spring up, we're sort of in a frenzy running around calling them out. But if men did what they were called to do for generations to come, we would not be in the situation that we are in. And some men don't like the church. They don't go to church. They drink on Sundays, sitting under trees. Some go to bars. Some are selling on the streets. The Sunday, the Lord's day does not make any, it's no longer uh important to people it's not a priority when we're growing up 
we, even though we're not Christians, we, we would go to church, would march to church. You know that today we're going. Nowadays, it's so pagan that even when you look on the streets, people are, 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 are behaving normally, in fact, wildly, selling and doing all sorts of things. The man must return. The man must return to the Lord. The man must be evangelized to so that they believe in the gospel. But not only have we resigned in, 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 in our duties and given them to women, we have resigned to being backbenchers and let toddlers run the show. That's a, some of these churches, friends, I not when I say toddlers, I'm saying shallow people. I'm not saying uh, you know young people. No, I'm saying shallow. The theology is shallow. The men who are supposed to be leading are not there. They are backbenchers. So the people who come and teach, well, lukewarm, soft-spoken, whatever, soft, sugar-coating the truth of, of, of God's word. I just want you to read to you the qualifications of an elder quickly from 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1 to 7, because I believe, even though that, not necessarily that, you know, these qualifications are only for elders, but is that these qualifications actually portray the temperament of a Christian. Who should be a Christian? Listen to this. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires the office of overseer, elder, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. A Christian must be above reproach. The husband of one, uh, the, the husband of, of but one wife. In other words, this just means that the, the, the elder or the godly man should be someone who's a one-woman man. It also applies to the wife of a Christian. You are to be a one-man woman. You are to be faithful to your husband only. A lot of us struggle in this area. Many ways. We are blown and tossed by the winds, the winds of evil. All right, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Men should be able to teach. Because, yes, if you can't teach your home, what is, what is going to become of your home? He must not be a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping 
his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for, the, for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Verse 7, Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. This is just to show you, friends, the, 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 the standards for for elders in the church but i want to take it a bit further the standards of men in the church not only that the standards for christians in the church of christ children of god all right let us apply it to the context of of our church brbc men This means that we are to lead in the things of evangelism. Men must be concerned about other men's souls. The, the apostles were concerned. The apostles understood the mission. Black and white, it was not gray. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Lo and behold, I will be with you till the end of the age. This is, this is what has been laid on us. Evangelism, we should not take evangelism for granted. Rather, as a church, men in the church must initiate evangelism. Let's go out and preach the gospel to the lost. Not that so much so that our church may be filled with people in the pews, but that people may hear the gospel, but also that we are, we are being obedient to the Great Commission. Number two, leading in all areas, timekeeping. Maybe if you're given a task, do it with excellence. Put both of your hands and all your power and do what God has called you to do. Hey, let me ask you a question. Let's say, for instance, uh, I'm talking about timekeeping in general. Let's say, for instance, there's no pastor. Let's say maybe the pastor is, is not there. And all the men in the church are late for church. And, and the people who are in the church are my wife and Mrs. Sunday. They're there in the church. Will you blame them? If you see now Mrs. Sunday now leading prayer. She says, ah, Tino, let's just do prayer, you know. Where are these people? Initiative. Being, you, you know, being responsible. One of the applications that I have for us is that because of our view of how men should operate in the church, BRBC will never in our lifetime, the Lord willing, have women elders or pastors. We will even go as far as limiting the diaconate to men unless the scriptures convince us otherwise. But as for elders, it is very clear 
There is no uh, thing. Pardon? Yes, yes. Uh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. We'll get into that. People, people have their own interpretation of this verse. That uh, there's debate. So I, I don't want to get into that. But I'll say, women are not to be in the diocletes. Unless you believe they should. No. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> all right. All right, all right. So, a huge bulk of teaching will be done by men. Women have other women and children. We'll touch on women in the church uh, sometime, the Lord willing. The other thing is that men are to take initiative, not only uh, uh, leaving the planning and doing uh, and doing of things to the past. So, for example, you know, you, you go to these churches and everyone is just static. They're waiting for the pastor to do this. They're waiting for the pastor to do that. The application here for us is that even as this church is growing men let us be men and initiate things we must be able to lead in in all aspects to be watchmen actually you know when uh, in the old testament and i'm sure even now when there's a war they are watchmen or even if there's no war they are watchmen who are watching for wolves. If the men are asleep, the wolves will sneak in and false teaching will come into the church. And uh, uh, I mean, friends, if men are not being men, that's why you hear issues of abuse. Hey, sexual scandals. Hey, we're the pedophile, convicted pedophile in the, in the church. You see some of these things that are happening in these churches in America. I'm not saying that it may it cannot happen to us. I'm saying yes, it can, but men should be alert because we've been given a responsibility to ward off the wolves. And if, if the wolves are to spring from amongst us, we still have that opportunity and that command to slay the wolf, even if it's the pastor. The truth does not, does not discriminate. We cannot sort of, you know, weigh the truth and, 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 and relationships. The truth must prevail. So in, in line with taking initiative, do not wait to be asked to do something. Men, you see someone struggling, carrying something, a woman needs help. If you, you can be an usher at the door and welcome people. You can be someone who is able to help. Maybe someone is carrying something in the church. You help. Being helpful. Praying and reading the word. Gathering together regularly. It's a big one. Reaching out to the lost. Men are to be concerned about those who are not Christians. We need men who are strong doctrinally 
and also strong morally. We need men who will say no to sin, who will fight sin to death, who will know that no, I am wrong. Here I'm wrong. I've made some, some contrasts here, which I think I'll be done in the next uh, five or so minutes. But this is what I see from the Bible. I see that the Bible says men are to be resolute but kind, courageous but compassionate. There are people who are courageous and cantankerous. <laughs> ah. Oh, you don't have the word cantankerous. It's too much. <laughs> That's too much. <laughs> oh, is it too much? As in, like it doesn't exist, or it's. Uh... We're not even sure. Okay, okay, sorry. I was trying to be, uh, yeah, doing some C uh, alliterations, but anyway. <laughs> okay, resolute but kind, courageous but compassionate. There are people who are courageous but contentious. We can use another word. We need to be prayerful but also generous. Men who won't flee like cowards from controversy, but are also not argumentative and contentious and harsh. We, we need to be, men in the church must be different from when men in the world. We are different. Right now, when you see the media, social media sphere, you can tell, you know, what people are, what gets people going? Controversy, arguments. And I'm not saying that arguments are not good. Let's, let's talk, by all means, let's talk about these things in the Lord. But when we get to a place whereby people are now, you know, arguing about the most useless things, we are missing the point of Christianity. While souls are perishing. All right. Hospitable. Men are to be hospitable. This is a challenge I have for all of us men. Let's be hospitable. One of the ways we can win over the world to Christ is being hospitable. Especially in Zimbabwe here, where many men are repulsive of people coming to their homes. They don't want... well thought of by outsiders, faithful to their wives, to their work, to the word of God. Willing to apologize when wrong, repenting when wrong, admitting when one is in error. What about also the application of rejoicing with those who rejoice, mourning with those who mourn. When, when our brothers are getting licenses, we should be rejoicing. Oh, you got a license. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. All right, next thing. What's happening? 
Mourning with those who mourn, we should be able to mourn with one another, going through trials and tribulations. But also joyfully serving the Lord and doing what God has called us to do. This is what we were called to do as men. And let's love the church. Let's love the flock because Christ loves his bride. Serve the flock. Amen.